0: Oh, well done, everybody, for making it. I hope you're not putting yourselves at uh, any great uh, risk by being here this morning. And I take the opportunity just to uh, remind you that there are directives uh, from Archbishop Sample concerning um, the obligation to attend Sunday Mass uh, during the coronavirus COVID 19 uh, outbreak. Um, we want to be obedient to the civil authorities and so do check the guidelines which are posted on the parish website there's a message from me and then a link to uh, the archbishop's directives in both English and Spanish I'm very disappointed to have it confirmed that now I am an old person and am among those who must consider seriously whether in fact to be at mass on Sunday Here I am and uh, many of you who are, my, or are even older than me perhaps are here too. But do take care. Uh, the Archbishop is generous in the dispensations that he is offering uh, from Sunday Mass. And uh, we should not take these too lightly. Uh, he trusts us uh, to make the decision uh, whether we should be at Mass or not. Uh, we don't have 250 people usually at Mass or more, so... We do not come under the governor's uh, directive that uh, gatherings of 250 or more should not take place. However, do observe all the uh, social distancing uh, measures, which I'll refer to actually in my words today. At times such as these, we might well wonder, just as the Israelites did as they were wandering in Egypt, is the Lord in our midst or not? But our faith gives us the assurance that he is. And so as St. Paul teaches us today, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ and we boast in hope of the glory of God, a hope that does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. So while we prudently obey all directives from those who bear the burden of responsibility for public health, we understand our helplessness and our total need of God. As St. Paul says, it was while we were helpless that Christ died for us at the appointed time, proving his love for us by dying for us even while we were still sinners. And our Archbishop has also reminded us about the need to care for others, a phone call, a text, or an email to check up on one another or maybe insofar as is possible to offer practical assistance, maybe getting some groceries for someone who is among those more vulnerable to infection. But we should also not neglect to pray for deliverance from this affliction. There is a votive mass in any need which cannot normally, votive masses are not normally permitted in Lent, but may be celebrated with the permission of the ordinary, of the diocesan bishop. And Archbishop Sample has granted us permission during this um, coronavirus outbreak to to offer certain votive masses um, where there's a pastoral need, amongst which is a votive mass in any need. And the collect of that mass prays as follows O God, our refuge in trials, our strength in sickness, our comfort in sorrow. Spare your people, we pray, that though chastised now by affliction, they may find relief at last through your loving mercy. We could also maybe pray a litany of the saints, asking for their protection and deliverance, or memoraries, or the rosary. This time of affliction and social distancing could provide us with an opportunity, in fact, for growing in deeper intimacy with the Lord. As we might have to be more distant from one another, we can become even closer to our Lord. And a former parishioner of mine, whom I would describe as a young adult, sent me a message yesterday saying how her health issues recently became more intense. And last year she had to go six months being unable to attend Mass. So she dedicated her entire Sunday to study and prayer. Although it was hard for her to go without the sacraments, her faith actually grew and she learned how much the world needs contemplative prayer. And of course she didn't just decide that staying at home and praying was as good as or better than attending Mass. But in resignation to her situation, God actually blessed her with a grace that would make of her an intercessor for the rest of the world. For all of our thirst for the earthly water of good health and well-being, it is our thirst for Christ that is our greatest need. And Jesus knows that we have this thirst even more than we do. The Samaritan woman who approached the well at Sikar at at the midday hour was conscious only of her need for water. But she encountered there one who knew of her deeper thirst, for living water, for grace, for the life that only he could give. And he too was thirsty, thirsty for souls. When loving mankind to the end as he hung upon the cross, he would exclaim, I thirst. But it was not for the vinegar that they offered him on a sponge that he thirsted, but for you and for me and for that Samaritan woman and for the thieves either either side of him. In the dialogue that Jesus enters into with this woman, he appears to be getting nowhere. As long as he talks of living water, the woman remains at a superficial level, even perhaps being somewhat sarcastic. Give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And getting nowhere, Jesus gets personal. Go call your husband and come back. And there begins the woman's confession of her situation and Jesus telling her of the true sadness of her state. Having had five husbands and living now with a man as if married, when in reality, that marriage was contrary to divine and natural law. The one you have now is not your husband, he told her. So Jesus lays bare the disorder of her personal life and her need for redemption. And he goes on to tell her the truth about the one religion of the Jews, that she is in error concerning the religion of the Samaritans. You worship what you do not know, for salvation is from the Jews. So even though Jesus' love is universal, his love inevitably excludes and condemns error. For there is salvation only in the truth. Error impedes grace, and therefore impedes salvation. Our catechumens, who this weekend uh, undergo the first scrutiny, or at least one of them will, uh, two of them are suffering from the social distancing that's occurring at the moment. One is in fact not well. The other is taking precautions because of a family uh, relative. So we have Dawn here uh, today. So she will undergo the first scrutiny. And she, along with the other catechumens, have gone and continue to go through a process of conversion from sin a process of purification and instruction in the saving truth entrusted to the Catholic Church by our Lord Jesus Christ. And we hope that this process will lead them, like the Samaritan woman, to go to their fellow townsfolk and tell them, he told me everything I have done. Far from feeling accused or judged by Jesus' revelation of all her sins, she was in fact redeemed by that revelation of truth. And we learn that Jesus actually stayed with those Samaritans for two days, even though initially he was just making as if he was passing through. And they believed in him because no doubt in those two days, he also told the other Samaritans of their sins and their error and the truth. You may not know, but the Samaritan woman is venerated in the East as St. Fortina, or Svetlana by the Russians. And Fortina comes from the Greek word for light. And our catechumens are passing through a period of enlightenment. Saint Fortina became a great witness to the Christian faith and along with her sons spread the faith, even converting the emperor Nero's daughter. Fortina was cast into a well twice uh, by Nero, dying there the second time. So we can see that how she began her new life by the well of Sicar, and her entry into eternal life was through a Roman well. Well we may, should pray that we can accept this season of Lent and this time of social distancing as an opportunity for further enlightenment and that we might conceive a thirst for souls such as Christ communicated to Fortina. The correspondent I referred to earlier also reminded me of the assurance Our Lady of Guadalupe gave to Saint Juan Diego which I think is useful for these times. She said to him Hear me and understand well my little son that nothing should frighten or grieve you Let not your heart be disturbed Do not fear sickness or anguish Am I not here who am your mother Are you not under my protection Am I not your health are you not happily within my fold? What else do you wish? Do not grieve, nor be disturbed by anything. La mujer samaritana que se acercó al pozo de sicar a la hora del mediodía era consciente solo de su necesidad de agua. Pero se encontró con alguien que sabía que su sed, de su sed más profunda, por agua viva, por gracia, por la vida que solo él podía dar. Jesús también tenía sed, sed de almas. En el diálogo que Jesús entabló con ella, parece que no llega a ninguna parte. Mientras habla de agua viva, la mujer permanece en un nivel superficial, incluso siendo algo sarcástica. Dame esta agua para que no tenga sed o tenga que seguir viniendo para sacar agua. Entonces Jesús se vuelve personal, ve y llama a tu esposo y vuelve. Y ahí comienza la confesión de la mujer de su situación. Jesús le cuenta la verdadera tristeza que sufre, haber tenido cinco esposos y vivir con un hombre como si estuviera casada, cuando en realidad, realidad esa unión era contraria a la ley divina y natural. El hombre con el que estás ahora no es tu marido. Jesús pone al descubierto el desorden de su vida personal y su necesidad de redención. Continúa contándole sobre la única religión de los judíos y cómo ella estaba equivocada como samaritana. Adoras lo que no sabes, porque la salvación es de los judíos. El error impide la gracia y, por lo tanto, impide la salvación. Jesús quiere liberarla de este error. Lejos de sentirse acusada o juzgada por la revelación de Jesús de todos sus pecados, fue redimida por esa revelación de la verdad. Jesús se quedó con los samaritanos durante dos días. Ellos creyeron en él porque también les contó sus pecados, su error, Y los condujo a la verdad. La mujer samaritana es venerada en el este cristiano como Santa Fotina, un nombre que significa luz. Santa Fotina se convirtió en un gran testigo de la fe cristiana y, junto con sus hijos, difundió la fe incluso convirtió a la hija del emperador Nerón. Nerón la arrojó en un pozo en dos ocasiones. Y Fotina murió allí la segunda vez. La nueva vida de Fotina comenzó en el pozo de Sicar. Su entrada en la vida eterna fue a través de un pozo romano. Que todos aceptemos esta temporada de cuaresma y este tiempo de distanciamiento social como una oportunidad para una mayor iluminación para que podamos concebir una sed de almas como Cristo le otorgó a Santa Fotina. En estos momentos de incertidumbre con el virus de la corona, podríamos recordar las palabras de Nuestro Señor de Guadalupe a San Juan Diego. Escúchame y comprende bien, mi pequeño hijo, que nada debería asustarte o entristecerte. No se turbe tu corazón. No temas a la enfermedad o la angustia. No estoy aquí quien soy tu madre. No estás bajo mi protección. No soy tu salud. No estás feliz dentro de mi redil. ¿Qué más deseas? No te aflijas ni te molestes por nada.